you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grant, socially distancing alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. And one night down... Two days to go, and and boy, was that first night was that was interesting. It was a lot of fun. I thought. Mm-hmm. CD <laughs> Lamb, boys, oh, we'll get to that. we will get there. CD Lamb, yeah. It it wasn't actually, if you think about it, though, it wasn't a very fantasy friendly first round mm-hmm. because a lot of the wide receivers didn't go where projected, which that happens all the time. But they didn't necessarily go to the best fantasy landing spots, and we'll get into right. that. So. And only one running back goes, and it was a surprise to some people that it wasn't DeAndre Swift and it wasn't Jonathan Taylor. It was the glide, and that's a discussion that I think we're going to oh, have to have here because – Definitely talk about that. I know you're a big fan. 
Uh, I was a fan of the move. Absolutely. Uh, mm. So we'll, we'll dive into that. We'll talk about the wide receivers. We'll talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, even though uh, I think their projections are more looking beyond 2020 uh, for, for a lot of the quarterbacks. But we'll talk about that as well. Um, even a little bit of news. Uh, this is mostly going to be a draft show, but uh, a little bit of news we'll talk about as well. Before we do that, though, we'll talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, the Giants, uh, you seem like you were OK with what they did last year. Yeah, well, as a Giants fan, I'm now accustomed to picking very early in drafts. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, I, you know, the second pick you take Saquon Barkley, that's a fun pick. You know, you take Dylan Jones sixth overall, that's a fun pick. And then you have the fourth pick. And I, I was 90% sure they were going offensive line. I thought there was a small percent chance they could trade back. And I thought an even smaller percent chance they would take uh, Isaiah Simmons, who I guess is probably the next best player that fit their roster needs. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a fine, safe, smart pick. I think he'll be a cornerstone left tackle for 10, 12 years, picking Dalen Jones. Like, you can't ask for much more than that. Um, I've watched plenty of Georgia. They've been, you know, national TV every week, so I'm pretty used to Andrew Thomas. I think he was the best tackle in the draft. I would have been fine with Jedrick Wills as well, but, um, you know, I, I think Joe Judge and his new regime wants to build a, a good, solid foundation to the roster, and you can't go wrong there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so we, we'll see what happens day two, but uh, I feel like, I feel like most fans were happy with their team's draft. The Packers fans, not excited. Raiders fans, I don't think were super excited. But I think most fans after night one came away feeling like their team did at least an adequate job uh, with what they did with with their draft. So uh, we'll get ready for day two. Should be a whole lot of fun. In the meantime, let's do a little bit of news. The news. Well, the one big news item since the last time we spoke to you all, uh, just just a little tiny thing. Some guy named Rob Gronkowski decided he wanted to come out of retirement. Uh, the WWE life, I guess, was not everything he wanted it to be. So uh, he told the Patriots he wants to come back and play, but says he did not want to play in New England. Instead, he wanted to rejoin his old pal Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay, I guess is what we're calling it now. Uh, so the Patriots swung a deal. They send Rob Gronkowski down to Tampa to join the Bucks. Uh, Fabs, I know the, the immediate reaction was kind of shock and awe from a lot of people. Although I felt like after that initial surprise wore off, insanity crept in. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are looking at Gronk not like the the super stud he used to be, but more of kind of a you know a, a tight end one, but kind of on the lower ranges of the tight end one. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I've got him ranked ninth uh, at the position at this point. Listen, the, the last time we saw him on a field uh, for a full season, I mean, he had three touchdowns mm-hmm. and he was banged up. And now he's got to put some more weight on. Who knows when these guys are going to be able to actually hit each other on a gridiron because of the coronavirus. So, and they have a lot of miles to feed in Tampa Bay. I mean, they've got Mike Evans, they've got Chris Godwin, they, you know, they, they've, they've got Cameron Braid and OJ Howard, at least for right now. For now. So, right. So, I would say his ceiling, Marcus. I would say that if he gave you seven or 800 yards and eight touchdowns, that's a great season from Gronkowski uh, in mm. 2020. And Tampa Bay just keeps getting better and better offensively because, you know, they were able to, to draft Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa mm-hmm. uh, last night. So just another, not a weapon, but another uh, piece of the puzzle to help protect Tom Brady in. C- c- can we argue that this is maybe the most talented offense he's ever played in? Uh, I mean, there was that with the 2007 was when he threw what I mean, at Randy Moss. Turn. Right. Right. But who, you know, who, who else did they have? I mean, they, they have a, 
They have a lot of weapons in Tampa Bay right now, and they could be getting more depending on what they do in the next couple of days. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because obviously when the news went down, everybody said, well, that's the end of O.J. Howard in Tampa. I know Howard has reportedly said that he wants out now. And I mean, I guess the Bucks are trying to figure out if they can find a trade partner. But part of me wonders why you wouldn't hold on to O.J. Howard. I, I look at it as right now you're looking at maybe a two year window, right? You've got Tom Brady signed to a two year contract. Rob Gronkowski is, I mean, what he, he will be 31 in actual age when the season is scheduled to start. But I think in football years, he's probably quite a bit older with, with all the bumps and bruises he's taken. Why not keep a young, younger, talented tight end there? See if you can sort of recreate uh, as much as possible that dynamic that the Patriots had when they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Why not do that as more teams are sort of going 12 personnel and two tight ends? Uh, you know, and maybe that's what ends up happening. I just felt like the Bucks seemed quick to say they wanted to trade OJ Howard when Gronk is not a forever solution for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no question I don't know. about that. So uh, anyway, that'll be fun to watch uh, You know when and if the season happens. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye Stop, on Don't that. put that out there. I'm sorry. Don't when when the season happens. Please. When the season happens. So Thank there you, you go. Thank All you. right. In the meantime, <laughs> uh, that is pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. All right. Now what you've all come here for. Night one of the draft. It was it was a technological success. I mean, I think we were all sort of hoping that there would be some weirdness technologically, that maybe we'd have, you know, kids busting into rooms or uh, anything like that. Uh, I oh, do we did have of, Mike Vrabel. We did have Mike yeah. Vrabel's I, whole I wanna, deal. I, I want to get, you know, at the end of the show, I'm going to, I'm going to, actually, I'm going to scribble this into the rundown right now, too. Like, we have to have a discussion about, the various war rooms and home cams uh, that we saw, because I think that is, that's going to, that was as much a part of the, uh, of the show as anything else last night. So we'll have to get into that, but um, a a number of offensive players were taken um, as suspected. There were more wide receivers than any other position. All four quarterbacks that were uh, really hyped went off the board in the first round, only one running back. And oddly enough, it was at the end of the, end of the first round. And that's kind of where I want to start. You mentioned it. Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes off the board with the number 32 pick to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think a lot of us had sort of talked about either DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor, maybe J.K. Dobbins uh, being the first running back off the board. Instead, it's the glide. Fantasy Twitter went nuts when that happened last night, Fabs. And and I don't know. It, it seemed it seems like a a great fit to get a talented all-around player, putting him in arguably the best offense in the league. Um, I mean, I guess my first question to you is, does this make him the 1.01 in dynasty rookie drafts now? I don't know about that because there's, there's a lot of running backs uh, who I think are going to end up getting drafted today. That could, that could push him out because I don't, I don't see him as a true featured back. Um, and, and, you know, I know that it, the, the, the chiefs are, are comparing him, you know, to, you know, Brian Westbrook, Westbrook. Uh-huh. So I understand that, but at that size, I don't know how effective he's going to be as a pass protector. And that's huge. Like if you're going to be a three down back, you got to pass protect like Maurice mm-hmm. Jones drew is not a big dude. He's the same size as me. I actually think I may be an inch taller than the Maurice Jones drew. Uh, don't tell him that, but <laughs> Maurice, Maurice, you know, he has some lead in his butt. I mean, like, you know, like yeah, after, I mean, 
Ask a Sean, Sean Merriman. Merriman. Right. I don't know if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be able to do that. So he, that that remains to be seen. And if Jonathan Taylor gets drafted by the Buccaneers or if DeAndre Swift gets drafted by the Dolphins, which is very possible, then maybe we're, we're, we're talking about those two guys being ahead of the glide uh, in redrafts and in dynasty leagues. That is going to uh, that's going to be remain to be seen. But the fit is good. Mm-hmm. If we all know Andy Reid has had a lot of success with running backs, I mean, even right. dating back to his time in Philadelphia with Westbrook and LaShawn McCoy and Duke Staley, and even to a lesser degree at time, Carell Buckhalter, Kansas City, Kareem Hunt, and Jamal Charles. So, there. I haven't heard Carell Buckhalter. Remember, remember, Carell had like Carell always had bad knees, but when he played, he was actually pretty decent. So, the, the, the landing spot is good. Because no matter where he went in the league, I don't feel like he's going to be a guy who's going to give give you 320, 350 touches. I just don't. So great fit and destroys Damian Williams' fantasy value yes. without question. Uh, you know, DeAndre Washington is not even going to be on, on the radar at this point. Maybe he was before this happened. But I am waiting to see what happens in the rest of this draft before I'm going to sing the praises of the glide and consider him a top 50 block. Okay. Could so, happen. Yeah. Could happen. Right. Not right now. It's a little not right now. Okay. Uh, you know, it's funny too, because it, it, so I, I sort of liken the draft as it's happening. It's sort of like a big blockbuster movie that you see in the theater. Right. And it's dark and you're in a crowd, uh, you know, back when we could go to the movies with like lots of people and <laughs> stuff. Um, Remember those days? Right. But like, you know, you're in a crowd, it's dark. There's like the the music's playing and the special effects are like in your face. And you're like, man, this movie's amazing. And then you like watch it at home on Netflix, like a few months later, and you're like, oh, huh, maybe it wasn't that great. And so like, I feel like that. And I say that because after the Chiefs pick last night and fantasy Twitter was just all a buzz. And then later that night, you know, before I went to bed and I'm, I'm scrolling Twitter and then kind of, you know, people are, are putting out their last, you know, their last takes for the night. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing CEH, you know, I, I think in somebody's rankings, they had him as the number four running back, like number four running back overall. I mean, you're like, you're talking like CMC and Saquon and whatever. What? And, and, and four putting, overall. Edwards Hilaire as number four, right? I'm, I'm seeing some people mocking him in the second or third round. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's slow down a little bit here. Like I'm excited about the fit. I love the fit. I'm not making him a top five fantasy running back in 2020 just yet. Um, and so I think that, you know, once the hysteria of what happened last night calms down, then maybe we start to get some more realistic takes on. Uh, yeah. I mean, geez. Tap the brakes a little bit. I mean, he's got a lot of talent and there's a lot of upside there, but I mean, geez, top. I, I really don't even know. I, I'm not going to do my rankings until the draft is over, obviously, because there's yeah, so no reason we'll, to do we'll it otherwise. There'll be more running back to come off the board. But at this point, yeah, I don't know that he's a top 50 pick right now. Right yeah. now. Yeah, no. So, well, I mean, look, this will all sort of settle out. It will all shake out uh, as as we get into the summer and we start doing more mock drafts. And that's that's when things will start to normalize a little bit. So, um, yeah, Marcus. And if, and just looking at my my top 200, mm-hmm. if we get a couple of more of these backs land in the right spots, like are you going to draft? Basically, you're going to be looking at the glide against. Jonathan Taylor against DeAndre Swift against uh, Devin Singletary against Melvin Gordon uh, in, in that tier. So depending on what happens the rest of the draft, you know, the glide could be a top 50 pick, but you know, maybe just you, right outside of it too. 
you mentioned Devin Singletary, and that's, I mean, that's a different conversation for another show, but that's what I want to kind of dig into because I know the the buzz, the scuttlebutt, if you will, has been that he's going to be more of a workhorse back. And I feel like that's a smokescreen, right? Like, I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they really do. And I wish for it. I hope for it. I want that to be the case. But I just feel like that's, I feel like that's to be filed away under the, we're going to run CJ Spiller until he pukes uh, file. Oh, so. yeah. You know, that's, what was that? That was that was Nathaniel Hackett, I think. That's yeah. That. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then the, all, the only ones puking were the <laughs> ones who drafted him, and he's we all we all jumped on board that one, and and you know those of us who who were able to to draft Spiller were burned incredibly uh-huh. uh, when that happened. Um, so the wide receivers they were billed as the headliners in the offensive skill position uh, in this draft. I mean, I've seen I had seen some mocks where there were up to ten wide receivers that were going to go in round one. In the end, uh, there were six guys who were drafted in the first round at the wide receiver position. Henry Ruggs uh, goes at number twelve to the Raiders. Jerry Judy goes at fifteen to the Broncos. C.D. Lamb at seventeen. To the Raiders, Jalen Rager goes to the Eagles, Justin Jefferson to the Vikings, and the Niners uh, in the mid-20s get Brandon Ayuk. Um, so of those six, uh, you know, as much as you can do this without your, your cowboy-colored glasses on, who landed in the best spot for their fantasy value? Justin Jefferson. But I don't know that I would rank him number one among wide receivers. Uh, I would probably, at this point, rank Ruggs as the top rookie wide receiver, although that could very well change. Mm-hmm. I wonder at the end of the day, are the Raiders going to look back and think, did we just draft Darius Hayward Bay over Mike Crabtree again? <laughs> but because CeeDee Lamb was on the board, Jerry Judy was on the board. Ruggs, a lot of comparisons to Tyreek Hill, a guy who could potentially be a matchup nightmare. John Gruden's got to be loving this. Mm-hmm. They love speed in Oakland, Las Vegas, and they always have. And I feel like he should lead that wide receiver core in targets or at least be close to Tyrell Williams. But the Raiders also have Darren Waller. They signed Jason Witten. Hunter Renfro's in the mix as well. Mm-hmm. And how how is Ruggs going to mesh with Derek Carr and or Marcus Mariota? That's another question that we have. So I so far, I don't see like an A.J. Brown uh, right. in, this, in this class because the fits are weird. Like, like I think Jerry Judy went to a good spot. Justin Jefferson went to a good spot. Ayuk went to a good spot. CD Lamb did not, and we can we can talk about that. But right now, I would say Ruggs is the most attractive redraft and dynasty wide receiver. Yeah, right now. I mean, right now, I just I looked at Ruggs, and you know, first off, I, I loved all the jokes. It was pretty obvious uh, the jokes were coming that it was like Al Davis was drafting from the great beyond. Right? They get the wide receiver, mm-hmm. like just known for his blazing speed, and they draft him. And my immediate thought is, how does he fit? with Derek Carr, a guy who has not been known in his career for consistently taking deep Correct. shots down the field. And and even if it's not Derek Carr, if he does not win that job and it's Marcus Mariota, same same question. You know, Mariota is not a guy who's going to stand back there and sling the rock deep. So does that mean you, you have relegated rugs to a life of, of running underneath routes and hoping that after the catch he can win there? And maybe that's the plan, or maybe the hope is that this does kind of light a fire under either one of these Raider quarterbacks to become more of a downfield passer. So that was that to me was sort of a weird fit. I expected when all three guys were on the board there that the Raiders would go probably Judy. I, I, fe- I felt like that was going to be mm. the play for them, um, but it wasn't. So he goes a few spots later to, to Denver. You mentioned C.D. Lamb. Um, I, I, I don't think there's 
any way that that most Cowboy fans imagined CeeDee Lamb would still be on the board when it came time for the Cowboys to pick. I mean, not unless Dallas did something to move up. So he falls in their lap. It was a it was an absolute no-brainer of a pick for Jerry Jones to make from his super mega yacht somewhere in international waters or wherever he is. Um, my first thought, though, is now he and Michael Gallup have to fight for targets. I mean, it it, it is great for the Cowboys offense overall. But as you mentioned, Fabs, it's not great for CeeDee Lamb's individual fantasy value. He's yeah. in an offense that has a lot of guys they got to try to feed now. It stinks uh, from a fantasy standpoint, at least for the first couple of seasons. And, um, you know, Amari Cooper just got the big contract. I think the Cowboys can get out of that contract out, out, after a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've got Gallup and you've got, I mean, Zeke. I mean, Zeke's going to command right. a lot of touches. Uh, he does every single season. Blake Jarwin's in the mix as well. So the Cowboys have a lot of mouths to feed. So from a fantasy perspective, CeeDee Lamb going to the Cowboys stinks. Let's be honest, at least if mm-hmm. you're into immediate gratification, because unless somebody gets hurt, he's not going to put up great numbers. I mean, I would project him for 50 catches, you know, five or 600 yards and maybe five touchdowns. That's probably about it. But it also hurts the value of Cooper somewhat. It's going to hurt the value of Gallup. But I'll tell you one thing, Dak Prescott and, and you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to Dak, who, who, who just lost his yeah. brother. Mm-hmm. But from a fantasy standpoint, Dak Prescott's now my QB three. I had Kyler Murray there. Dak's there now. Dak was the QB two last year. People forget that. He was the QB two. Only Lamar Jackson was a better fantasy quarterback than Dak Prescott in 2019. And now he gets the best wide receiver in the entire 2020 class. That is is huge for his fantasy value. And I feel like Dak doesn't get the respect he deserves in fantasy because there are some games that you can remember and go back to like against the Jets – that you know he had stinkers (laughs) eagles too he had stinkers but overall he was he was pretty damn good you you don't put up qb2 numbers uh and and not have some monster games and now you add cd lamb and i would assume the cowboys are going to add some potentially some offensive line help uh over the last the next couple of days and and i mean they're going to focus on the defense at this point they have to but that that whole team and the way that it is constructed marcus right now especially if the defense doesn't get better that that offense might be the most fantasy friendly in the entire league besides Kansas City uh, in 2020. So as I was kind of scratching around and, and looking at the Cowboys offense after they drafted Lamb, you know, you mentioned all the why all the pass catchers there that are going to have to fight for targets mm-hmm. in that offense. It made me wonder, and maybe I'm overthinking this. Does this does this impact Ezekiel Elliott in the sense that? Look, last year we saw him lose some targets because they brought in Tony Pollard and he would catch the football occasionally out of the backfield. 54 receptions. Uh, I mean, like he had in 2018, he had 77, uh, 77 catches. Last year, that number dropped to 54. Now, with another quality wide receiver, do those targets go down even more? Do those receptions go down even more? Which look, we know he's going to carry the football probably close to 300 times yet again this year. But with those receptions going away, I feel like, you know, does that potentially knock him out of the top five or is he still just a, is he still where he's, is he going to be where he's going to be draft-wise no, this year? I, I don't, I don't feel that at all. Um, mm. You know, last year, as you mentioned, the targets and the catches went down, but I mean, they were going to, because the previous season, I mean, he had almost a hundred targets and 77 catches that simply wasn't going to happen again, much like Leonard Fournette. That's just not going to happen again <laughs> right. uh, moving forward. So if you're going to, if you get 40 to 50 catches out of Zeke, I think you're happy because you're going to get all the red zone opportunities for the most part. And you're still going to see 
him touch the ball as a as a ball carrier, you know, 280 to 300 times. There's just no question about that, just as a runner. And that doesn't include what he can do as a pass catcher. So I, I still have Zeke three. I'm not moving him at this point. All right. Uh, Jerry Judy goes to Denver. He pairs up with Cortland Sutton. Uh, you know, I, I I mean, I like the fit. I like the opportunity there for Judy, although I feel like the biggest winner here is Drew Locke. Uh, yep. He's a guy who suddenly becomes a, a really nice sleeper quarterback pick. And you know what? The Denver offense looks kind of fantasy friendly, right? You've got Locke. You've got mm-hmm. Sutton and Judy. You've got Noah Fant. Melvin Gordon is there. Philip Lindsay, I think, is still going to have a role in that offense. There are a lot of fantasy pieces potentially in this Denver offense now. We, and we talked about that. We, we, we've said that because Denver was tied to rugs a lot in a lot of the mock drafts. And there was like this talk that Elway wanted to move up to get a wide receiver. And like a lot of people thought it was it was rugs and they didn't have to do that. And I was on Sirius XM last night talking about how there were these reports that Judy had uh, lingering knee issues. Maybe that's why he had fallen. And then literally once I brought that up, he got picked. So the agent, uh, Judy's agent came out and said, no, he's fine, which of course that's what he's going to, he's going to tell people, but he, he's, he slots in perfectly in, in Denver uh, mm-hmm. with Portland Sutton and much like Sutton, a lot of his value is going to be tied to Drew Locke. Now, if we look at John Elway's history of drafting and bringing in quarterbacks, maybe we're concerned. But Drew Locke <laughs> did show some potential last season. He had a very small sample size. But they are putting him much like the the Browns are putting Baker Mayfield in a, a in a better position uh, to succeed statistically. So yeah, Drew Locke is is certainly going to be in that deep sleeper mix uh, heading into twenty twenty drafts. Uh, Jalen Rager goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, like I said earlier, I think a lot of people, myself included, were expecting they were going to go Justin Jefferson there. That that seemed like uh, one of the biggest locks of the first round. But uh, Howie Roseman throws a curveball. They go with the smaller, uh, more explosive player in Jalen Rager to get some help for Carson Wentz there. Uh, I mean, look, there is there's plenty of opportunity here. I just. I don't know. I feel like you, you talked about a lot of weird fits. This one is a fit that just doesn't it just didn't jump off the page to me seeing Rager there in Philly. Yeah, he, he got a lot of buzz uh, as we kind of got closer to the draft. And, you know, people were always quick to remind us that the quarterback position there at TCU is maybe not the best. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. right. I, I would say he's probably ceiling wise comparable to like a Brandon Cooks, that kind of player really explosive kind of player. I mm-hmm. feel like Justin Jefferson would have been the better pick. I thought he was going to go there too, but Rager certainly saw his value rise and hopefully he, uh, at least for the Eagles, you know, he's not the next Josh Doxson because that didn't work out very well. <laughs> but um, I, I also feel like the Cowboys taking CD lamb had a lot to do with the fact that the Eagles were just a few picks behind looking at a wide receiver. And there's no way Jerry Jones who is home alone on his yacht <laughs> and left to his devices was going to let CD lamb fall to Philadelphia. No, that was definitely not going to happen. That was not a surprise at all. Uh, Justin Jefferson going to Minnesota. I mean, the obvious answer there is that he is the replacement for Stefan Diggs, who is now in Buffalo. Um, look, it it is it is an they're very offense. different players, though. They are very different players. Absolutely, yeah, they're very different players. But he at least walks into some of that opportunity. And I mean, it's it, look. Yep. We talk about concentrated passing games. When you look at the targets in that Minnesota offense, it's Adam Thielen. It's probably Justin Jefferson. I mean, that's those are your top two targets at this point now, right? Yeah, no question about it. And so Jefferson is very similar to like like an Adam Thielen. I think a more explosive, more uh, a little bit more athletic too. 
And, it, you know, if you were to compare a receiver there to Diggs, it probably would have been, uh, you know, Rager, I would think, because more a little bit more explosive of a guy. Um, but you mentioned it. What is fantasy football all about when it comes to scoring points, opportunities? And there's 94 targets that are left behind uh, with Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. So Justin Jefferson is a draftable asset in redrafts. No question about that. The question is, how much of an impact can he make behind Adam Thielen with uh, an offense that's going to run through Dalvin Cook uh, <laughs> right. for, for, uh, for a lot of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's sort of the thing. Uh, I mean, I, I I have him right now as the number one rookie wide receiver, but as I'm like kind of going through this in my head, you know, I mean, you may be talking about what seven hundred yards uh, for for Jefferson yeah. this year, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of five six touchdowns, something like that. So it's you know, it, it, it might be the best of the rookie receivers, but it's not going to be a huge blow up kind of season for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're in Minnesota, and they're also going to run a lot of twelve. I mean, I know Stefanski mm-hmm. left, but I mean, they drafted Herb Smith. They have Kyle Rudolph there, so the Vikings. I, I don't want to say they have a lot of mouths to feed, like comparably to Tampa Bay, for example, but. They don't throw. They're not going to throw the ball, you know, forty times, fifty times a game. So right. that that shrinks the target share somewhat. And now you add Justin Jefferson into the mix. So um, I do feel like he will he will be second in targets behind Adam Thielen uh, in the in the Minnesota wide receiving core. And that's you know not saying anything that's uh, too <laughs> you know too pretty. It's 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 obvious. It's an obvious right. Thing. No, no doubt. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, the last wide receiver taken in the Ayuk. first round. The Niners uh, swung a couple of deals. They, they swing one with the Bucks. They move back. They get a fourth round pick from Tampa. The Bucks then use that to draft Tristan Wirfs. Uh, the Niners swing another deal with Minnesota. They give up that fourth round pick. They move. Uh, it was a 25, I think 26. Um, and they take Ayuk out of Arizona State. Now, Later uh, on on Thursday night, Kyle Shanahan said Ayuk was his number one receiver on the board. So they would have taken him there at 13. Things worked out. They get Kinlaw at 13. Mm-hmm. They get Ayuk later in the 20s. Uh, I said they had him even above C.D. Lamb. I feel like he's not going to be a guy that that's going to get a lot of love in in redrafts in, in traditional leagues just because of, of how the Niners offense operates. But. He's a versatile guy. He's good with the ball in his hands after the catch. He seems like a great fit for a Kyle Shanahan offense. He just doesn't seem like an immediate impact fantasy player to me. He's going to get his opportunities. I, I would think he's probably going to get a chance in redraft somewhere late. And mm-hmm. because Emmanuel Sanders is clearly no longer there, he's in New Orleans. And, right. you know, Ayuk has a chance to come right in and be sort of the number two wide receiver. Now, with that being said, the number one option in that offense uh, from a pass catching perspective is and will continue to be George Kittle. So if you if you factor that in uh, and also factor in that the Niners run a lot of offensive sets with multiple running backs on the field at the same time. Maybe that's going to put a bit of a cap on him from a short-term perspective. And plus I still like, I, he's super, super talented. You know, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at PFF and, and how they chart uh, how players performed uh, in college, uh, 70% of his yards occurred from straight line routes and screens and posts and goes, I mean, he's an explosive dude. So Maybe the route tree needs to be expanded a little bit with him, but anything, anything uh, that Kyle Shanahan touches has a chance to turn to gold. And right. that's you know, 49ers, you know, to get the joke there. But he is <laughs> he is certainly he is certainly someone who uh, to me is a late round pick in redrafts, uh, and he should add to the value somewhat of Jimmy Garoppolo as well, who had what 27 touchdown passes last season. So yeah, that should help him too. 
Yeah, I do think that was a, that was a big part of it too. I mean, the Niners were always slated to get a wide receiver in the first round, and you know, uh, our pal Graham Barfield tweeted out last night a good point that they have gone all in on guys who excel after the catch. Right? I mean, we know George Kittle what he can do. We saw Debo Samuel, especially late in the season and all through the playoffs, what he was able to do. Yeah. Uh, and now you add Ayuk to that group too, who's great after the catch. And so this potentially, um, you know, it it. it Gives Garoppolo some more targets, obviously, and guys who can do something with the ball in their hands. Uh, you know, I think Niner fans still cringe thinking about that deep throw he made late in the Super Bowl. Uh, and you know, if they can avoid that, that would maybe be mm-hmm. for the best. Um, that brings us to the quarterbacks. Four in round one. No shock. Joe Burrow goes number one to the Bengals, to a tang of Aloha, number five to the Dolphins. Uh, Justin Herbert goes one pick later to the, uh, the the Los Angeles Chargers. And then Maybe the biggest shock, not so much that he went in the first round, but where he went, Jordan Love goes to the Green Bay Packers. And look, let's just let's just start there. Right. Because that one, I think, was the one that caught everybody really off guard with the Packers drafting Jordan Love. Um, You know, Aaron Rodgers, he's he's obviously getting closer to the end of his career, but certainly not done. Um. I always thought Jordan Love was going to be a dynasty pick more than anything anyway, but now I'm I'm torn. Like, what does this mean for him and his dynasty value that he's stuck behind a guy who looks like he still wants to play for a number of years? Yeah, I, I don't I don't like the pick. I'm listen, neither do Packer fans. <laughs> I know I, I get it. I, the Packers were in the NFC Championship game last year, bro. I mean, like you know, give Rodgers a few more weapons. They need a guy who can extend. Yeah, extend the field in the passing game, and they didn't do it. Um, so it's 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 a head scratcher to me, I, and I hate to be a negative Nancy, and I always come off as this way. But when it comes to quarterbacks, especially first round quarterbacks, when you look at the history of what that sort of what first round quarterbacks have done, I mean, typically, if I say that there is five, there is four quarterbacks drafted, uh, and only one is going to succeed, I mean, that would kind of go in line with the trend uh, over the years that a lot of these teams jump at potential and they jump at raw skill and, and, and athleticism, but quarterbacks, a hard position to play. You need much more than that to, to succeed. And Jordan love has got, he's got the big arm. I know there's some people out there who compared him to Patrick Mahomes, which is asinine because he can throw from (laughs) certain arm angles, but he was, he he had poor decision-making last season. He had 17 uh, interceptions to 20 touchdowns. Um, Previous year, he was at 32 to six, which was much better. And I just feel like he's a raw, he's a raw talent who is not going to have any redraft value, who is going to be a dynasty snag at best. And Aaron Rodgers, I would think still has a couple of years at, at, you know, at at the least in him. Mm -hmm. So we may not see, this could be like a Rodgers Favre scenario where Favre plays, Rodgers hits behind him. And then eventually, you know, Rodgers came in and became great. I don't know that that's going to be the same case for for Jordan Love. I, I think the Packers should have gone and added some weapons uh, for Aaron Rodgers, and they still very well might do that. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm thinking, I was in the NFC Championship game last year, guys, <laughs> and you just drafted a player who's going to eventually replace me rather than give me some more pieces to help us get over the top and get to the Super Bowl. So, Yeah, but- you know I- – and I know that, and this might be wishful thinking on on the the part of Packer Nation. I've seen a lot of people, you know, sort of mocking Michael Pittman to them in the second round, just just trying to because it just didn't make sense. I mean, I'm with you. Like everybody just thought they were going to get uh, wide receiver help, 
And and so for them to take a quarterback, just it, it was a little bit mind blowing. Um, so let's go back to the, the the top though, right? Joe Burrow, number one. It wasn't a surprise. It was uh, amusing slash annoying to see the Bengals use literally every forever, drop of time on the clock to announce what we all knew was going to happen. I mean, could you imagine that if if it was a fantasy draft? Uh, and somebody milked the entire clock to like you know take Christian McCaffrey, which we all know is going to happen. Like we would be livid, just livid. Um, so anyway, Joe Burrow is in Cincinnati. He is going to be the starter in in Week One, uh, unless something really off the wall happens there. What do you look at as his ceiling for 2020? I see. I I don't know that he's going to be anything more than a QB two as a rookie. And, you know, I do get it. He can make plays with his legs. No question about that. So, Mm -hmm. and I would compare it to like, you know, like when Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers, they're not going to give you five or 600 rushing yards, but they could give you 300 and they could give you maybe two, three touchdowns on the ground. That's going to clearly help his, his fantasy appeal. Do I feel like he's going to be a QB one? Not as a rookie not as a rookie, Mm -mm. but I do feel like it's, it's very well within uh, the realm of, uh, of possibility and maybe even very likely as we get two, three years into his career, this kid's coming off of a ridiculous season, Heisman Trophy winner, 60 touchdown passes, 76% completion percentage. I mean, that was the the best since 1956. I mean, his arm strength is not great, but it's good enough, but he's Mm -hmm. just so ridiculously accurate. And Zach Taylor likes to throw the football. He, yeah. he likes to throw it. We saw that in the first half of the season, although it didn't really work out very well for the Bengals. I mean, <laughs> they're going to chuck it and they have a lot of weapons. If AJ green can ever stay healthy, that's going to be huge for burrow. So is he going to be picked in redrafts? Yes. Somewhere late. Is he going to be a guy that you're going to lean on week in and week out to be your fantasy quarterback? Unlikely. Yeah. So the one thing that I, I my only hang up with Joe Burrow uh, and, and you can call this a nitpick if you want, is just the disparity in production. Yeah. One year, final yep. two years in college. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and, and look, I, I saw and, and heard Daniel Jeremiah sort of explain about his development and, and why teams shouldn't be quite as worried. But I mean, we've seen this before where a guy just has one huge blow up season, raises his draft stock and never really comes close to replicating that uh, on the pro level. So that's that would be my only concern. But I'm sort of with you. I think he's a QB, two for this year. He's a guy that, you know, if you want to take a dart throw late in drafts and maybe play the matchups based on, on how he's doing. I think that's, that's probably what your plan is for this year. Um, he's a guy who's going to be obviously the cornerstone, I think of some, some dynasty rosters uh, in, in the very near future. The other two quarterbacks, Tua, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, they go back to back. I felt bad for Justin Herbert. You know, he gets drafted. They show pictures of him as a kid. They show him wearing a Joey Harrington jersey. I'm like, let's not oh, hamstring the kid already. That's not fair. No. Um, who start? Who starts first? Uh, will it be Tua? Will it be Herbert? Who do you think? Are we assuming that Tua is 100 percent going into let's, the season? Let, yeah, let's just let's just assume Tua is healthy. And he, I feel he like it's going to be Herbert because mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ryan Fitzpatrick. No matter where he goes, <laughs> he is going to start games. We have seen it time and time and time and time again. And let's be honest, Marcus, Brian Fitzpatrick wasn't bad in the second half of last season. It's not like he's a garbage quarterback. I mean, he has gotten into some turnover issues during his career, but mm-hmm. he, he is someone that I feel like they can, Tua can learn behind Harvard guys, been in the league a long time. And then at some point, Tua comes in. The only reason I think Herbert will start before Tua is that Tyrod Taylor. Well, I mean, he was in the situation very recently in Cleveland where yep. he started and then Baker Mayfield took over because 
Tyrod was ineffective, got banged up. So, mm-hmm. but I, I don't like Herbert. I'm, and like, I mean, I, I, you know me, I love looking at trends and that kind of thing. And I get it that like one Oregon quarterback has nothing to do with the other, but there hasn't been an Oregon quarterback who's come out of that system and thrived in the NFL since freaking Dan Fouts. Okay. And Dan Fouts played at Oregon in the seventies and right. Oregon has had Joey Harrington and Achilles Smith and Marcus Mariota. They've had prospects at the quarterback position that have failed. And I still feel like there are some question marks with Herbert. There really is. There really are. You know, is he aggressive enough to be an NFL quarterback? Uh, the size is there. The arm strength is there. But that doesn't always translate into, into you know, being, being great at the next level. So for me, fantasy, from a fantasy standpoint, I like Jalen Hurts more. I don't know where he's going to be, but I think Jalen Hurts will end up being a better fantasy quarterback than Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, I think that that has become sort of the the Twitter consensus is that uh, fantasy Twitter loves Jalen Hurts. They they want to see where he lands. And, and look, I get it. The the running ability has everything to do with it. I mean, the guy ran for what twelve hundred yards, almost thirteen hundred yards in, in his final college season. Uh, my only my only concern, or my biggest concern, I should say, with Jalen Hurts is just that he needs a lot of work as a passer. But you know, look, they said the same thing about Lamar Jackson. You know, they said the same thing about Josh Allen. That's a thing that can be developed. So we'll we'll see where Hertz goes. But yeah, I think Herbert was that guy who the the buzz was on Herbert a year ago before his final season at Oregon. People were talking about him being a first round pick, being a high first round pick. And um, so that the Chargers have felt like he's going to be their quarterback of the future. It also, I think, is a situation for the Chargers that they had to make a move now. You know, Philip Rivers is gone. Tyrod is obviously not a long-term answer. They felt like they had to do something, and that was their best option. Um, I do think he's the guy who probably starts first. I think I think Tyrod starts the year as the number one quarterback there, but at some point, Herbert's going to take over there. And at least in the short term, I think there's some some potential value there. I think it helps, uh, you know, Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and Mike Williams and, and guys like that, Austin Eckler. Um, but uh, you know, he's he's not the guy with the highest ceiling, I think, in this this quarterback class. That's that's kind of where I go with that. Um, so we have day two starting tonight, day three on Saturday to wrap it all up. We'll be back on Tuesday to kind of talk about uh, the draft as a whole and talk some fantasy fits and, and all that kind of thing. But before we go, like we got to talk about these home cams and these war rooms. Um, and, and Eddie, you know, you feel free to jump in here, too. Um, there was a lot of talk about that, right? Um, you know, you had on the one hand, I think it was uh, what Joe Judge looked like he was like, you know, behind the scenes on a movie set. Um, there was someone, and I can't remember who it was, somebody who looked like they were in a courtyard by Marriott. Um, and then you got Cliff Kingsbury, right? Who was in this like, this. Arizona Villa with Camelback Mountain in the background. He's got like this luxurious backyard and a pool and a cabana. And he's just chilling there with his capri pants, feet up with a giant like uh, uh, a giant screen TV. <laughs> I feel like he won, at least in terms of, of setup. Maybe Jerry on his yacht, but just being at home, Cliff Kingsbury wins, right? He was amazing. Vrabel. That's all I'm saying. What was happening? Vrabel. What was going on? <laughs> that's 
number one, th- there was this whole picture going on with you know somebody in the toilet in the background, which which apparently did not did not, did not, did not uh, happen. Um, it was he someone was on a, sitting on a stool. Yes, apparently. but but he had he had he had one guy there that looked like he was in like Tiger King. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what that dude's story <laughs> was. And then you had the other guy who was dressed up in that that like a, blue onesie. So like Vrabel's Vray, having fun, hero. man. Vrabel, that was the one that I think everyone will remember the most is that, um, you know, is that he had he had some characters going on in uh, in the background uh, at his place. That was amazing. Um, yeah, the uh, you know, even got you, know, you got to look inside the the homes of some of the players. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it was it the Henry Ruggs that was wearing a robe? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a bathrobe. Yeah. Which I, I think I read was uh, a, an Old Spice promotion. Um that he had somehow worked out. So he was wearing a bathrobe, but mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey man, that's quarantine casual. I feel like that's what we're all doing nowadays. And CD lamb. I, I, I remember I was on the air last night and I'm watching while I'm talking and the Cowboys are up and he does not look like he is excited at all, like at all. <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, you know, they probably went with, you know, Chazon, uh, they, they went, you know, edge rusher, Right. Because he did not look like he had just been on the phone with Jerry Jones and had been told that he had been picked by the Dallas Cowboys. He was just sitting there and it looked like he was playing Candy Crush or something. You know, oh, yeah. The, the one thing everybody pointed out was that the, the girl next to him took his phone and he grabbed the phone like, back. back. <laughs> right. And, and, and I feel like most people in the audience were probably paying more attention to his girlfriend than him. Um, so. That was a little bit weird, but that threw me because there was no like you saw so many of the kids' reactions to getting drafted. They're excited, you know. One guy, you know, uh, a family member or friend, like flopped onto the floor like in excitement, and everyone's <laughs> hugging and kissing. Ceedee Lamb gets drafted by the Dallas freaking Cowboys, and he is literally sitting there like he was Aaron Rodgers in the you know in the in the green room the year that he got picked so late i was like why aren't you excited about this dude like you just landed in a great spot it was weird so but well, and you you would also think i mean maybe look he, he he grew up in louisiana so maybe he was you know a, a saints fan or whatever but you figure playing at oklahoma yeah that's that's cowboys territory i Hell mean yeah that's dude that's definitely cowboys territory there so i was a little surprised so. Yeah, that, um, that threw me. I didn't think he was going to go to to the Cowboys when I saw his reaction, and I'm thinking, is that like a delayed like fee? Like, I mean, <laughs> right? I I yeah. didn't understand. He didn't seem Maybe. like he was that excited. Um, look, all I can say, if you're a Cowboys fan, if if he jumps on fumbles the way he jumped on that phone being taken away, then you're going to be in pretty good shape. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that was the first round of the draft. It was it was interesting. It was entertaining. It was definitely very different than any other draft that uh, certainly in any of our lifetimes. Uh, although I did see, I guess uh, Roger Goodell said last night that there are elements that they would like to kind of keep for 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 future drafts. I don't know exactly what those elements are. Maybe it's it's the home cams with the players or something like that. Um, sure, but uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting. So we'll see what days two and three have to bring. We'll talk about that uh, when we get back together with you guys on Tuesday. In the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you downloading and listening and watching. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate review and remember when someone tells you life is hard, ask them compared to what. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you on Tuesday. How about them Cowboys? <laughs>
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.